0: Welcome to the Money and Time Machine podcast, where you can learn how to rage against the theft of your financial future by listening to a unique perspective on what's holding you back from a life of more money and more time. Hello
1: and welcome to episode 18 of the Money and Time Machine podcast. I'm your host, Justin Paul. You've heard me introduce one of my previous guests as the man with the money, the money mind, and the mentoring skills as voted by his peers in the top 1% of mentors and business strategists in LinkedIn Australia. Now I get to introduce my next guest as the woman with the money, the money mind, and the hard-earned and well-deserved lifestyle that comes with having the money and time to live a life on her terms. Welcome to the Money and Time Machine podcast, Amanda Hasenkam.
0: Hi, Justin. Thank you for having me on.
1: My pleasure, Amanda. Thank you for obliging me. Amanda, you are the other half of a dynamic duo. No man or woman is an island, and you played a very important, if not prominent, role in your partner's success. You held the space for your other half to go on to achieve financial independence few get to experience, and that essence of that relationship is what I'm hoping you can share some insights into now, Amanda, I appreciate that when it comes to success in broader terms, successful people express their success in various ways, uh, some openly and ostentatiously, and others, well, you wouldn't know they were well well off even if you ran into them. So how about we start this uh, episode by you know, asking you, if I could ask you, if you don't mind, to, to share how you live life now in terms of the lifestyle you get to live, because I know you're, you're a horse lover. I um, came in on the tail end of your uh, beautiful home that I got to spend a night in your guest room there. Um, you know, uh, you love to travel, less stress, more time, more money, etc. So give us an insight into what your life is like now.
0: Wow, well, thanks, um, Justin. Yes, yeah, so really I suppose what we've achieved is to be able to live a lifestyle of, of choice um, that includes um, living in a beautiful place in Tasmania. Um, we live completely off-grid, which is really exciting um, and um, it's something I've always wanted to have a go at doing. Um, we've got, say, acreage, so we've got plenty of room for any number of projects, including growing our own veggies and Paul having space to do his woodwork and other activities and of course the horses are in the back garden which is what I've um, always wanted which is great you can just um, see them playing around in the in the paddock or just eating or Um, pop out and you know interact with them or ride, lots of beautiful places to ride around us Um, the the other thing is of course we live in a place where there's very little traffic, Um, where the shops are about five minutes drive away and luxury of luxuries we can actually park right outside the supermarket door to pop in and get our groceries (laughs) (laughs) so there's many ways in which luxury is measured Um, one of the I think the most beautiful things about where we live is the wonderful sense of community because it's a small village. Um, You know, you go down to the shops and you always bump into someone you know and exchange greetings and catch up on whatever's going on. Um, And, of course, the other really lovely thing is that um, whenever you've got jobs, um, you know, like it might be collecting the hay or, well, digging ditches or chasing cattle or horses that have escaped, um, the neighbours notice and may pitch in usually without even being... Asked, but of course they are available when you actually ask for help which is a really really great luxury I think in this age where most of us have to live in places where we're too busy to even notice that we've got neighbours let alone interact with them so yeah it's, it's a lifestyle of choice and, and I'm really really um, happy that we've been able to make this choice. No, that's brilliant, Amanda. I uh, I, was, I think it
1: was late uh, 2018. I attended the uh, gold and silver seminar that your partner Paul held in, in Hobart. And uh, I, I, I got invited to spend an evening there. And I remember waking up in the morning. Um, you know, I think you designed the house really well, at least the, the, the guest bedroom quite well, because the open expanse of windows suggested that uh, the outside came in. And uh, oh, yes. quite, yeah, quite a unique uh, experience to wake up. And then not only that, uh, to the side of the uh, double bed that you had there, I just stood up and then, yep, lo and behold, I could see your horses uh, walking through the paddock. And I thought to myself, you know, uh, it's a unique experience, um, given that most of us are used to living in a square box. Um, so uh, yeah, so, so thank you for that, because that, that, that memory is, uh, is eternally etched in, in my mind.
0: It's my pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Now,
1: um, Amanda, you know, uh, there was a time uh, when as academically credentialed as you are, I know you spend many, many years uh, studying. And together with Paul and his PhD, I recall Paul once described you both as being poor as church mice, living uh, quite frugally. What was life like pre your financial independence, and can you recall the day when your partner Paul decided that he wanted to make this drastic decision to move from a life of frugality, struggle, and frustration to eventually go and make his first million dollars, as he notes in his in his book, the the trilogies that he wrote in three point eight years later? Can you give us a sense of what that was like?
0: Oh, yeah, it was it was a really um, interesting and, and great experience, actually. So, yes, we lived. For um, I think it was only really about four years, I think, without you know any well as students, um, and I was on old study and um, very limited means, as anybody now yes. who has been in that situation <laughs> would appreciate. Um, um it was it was a time when we really did learn to live um, frugally. And, and in many ways, it was a bit of an adventure because you know this was a, a moment of exploring a, a whole new way of life. Um, so we lived um, near the, near the beach in Wollongong, which was very nice. Um, but of course, we it made us the the luxuries that we enjoyed were when we went fishing and and caught fresh fish. Um, when we, uh, we our recreation, because we couldn't afford to sort of go out and enjoy the bright lights, was was snorkeling and fishing and surfing. And at the beach uh, making the most of of all those things I think that one of the things for living in that way um, is that your mindset is really important I think we really learned that to appreciate the idea that if one enjoy or, or sees the world through the glass half full approach, yes. um, yeah. then what you do is you learn to really appreciate all the things that you've got and make the most of um, what your environment provides for you rather than um, worrying and, and despairing over what you're missing out on. Well said. Uh, well said. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yes, I think it was, it was in fact I think a great training ground for um, our life. From then on, yeah, something we've we've carried with us, that sense of, yeah, enough is enough. You don't always have to look for more.
1: And when Paul, uh, w- w- was his decision uh, uh, to uh, want to, uh, you know, become wealthy, was there a particular day that this, uh, this occurred, or was it a process that you sort of understood mm. him to uh, want to embark
0: on? I think it was a process, but there were probably a couple of things that, to my mind, Sort of really nudged him in that direction, and the, the first was that, um, as you know, Paul um, was a potter in the past, and yes, yes. his um, his PhD culminated in a, a major exhibition. Um, and he'd spent um, probably a couple of years um, creating the work for that exhibition. Um, it was very successful, but when um, we did, you know, he did all the sums at the end of the day, um, he realised that for the two years of effort that he'd put in, he, there was not very much money left in his pocket at the end of the day. Um, and so he so he saw that probably um, a life as an artist was not going to be <laughs> that sustainable. Um, and of course then when we moved to Perth um, I decided that it'd be very nice if we had our own house and um, and of course we went we moved there at a time when it was actually quite um, quite cheap to to buy into property but of course you do need some resources in order to be able to do that yes, um, yes. and we actually were in a situation where we had to borrow every every cent um, including part of our deposit um, again we had then a very um, What's the word? A very uh, great learning experience. We actually um, went to stay with the parents of some of Paul's students from um, that he was teaching in Kalgoorlie, and we were talking about um, with them about, oh, we've had a, we found a house we'd really like to buy, and you know it's great, but we, we really um, we need another five thousand dollars for our um, deposit, and we're not quite sure how we're going to get that, and. Um, with, after a bit more chit chat, this wonderful couple said, Well, we've got $5,000, we can loan it to you. And um, we had never met these people before. This is the first evening we'd spent with them. And we were incredibly um, moved by their enormous generosity. And they didn't know us from a bar of soap, it could have been anybody, you know. <laughs> and um, it, that really also, apart from the fact that that was, you know, one of Paul's seminal moments, in in the wealth creation process, it actually really opened us up to the idea of that, of generosity and the willingness to, um, to, to be open to, um, to being generous and to have in, and to make most of those opportunities because the, the receiving of that gift and the repaying of that loan um, were, that was a very, was a really joyful experience. I know it sounds, it sounds a strange way to put it, but it really did, um, it really did help us formulate a mindset of generosity which I think is really important um, along the way. Uh, so that was that was really important, um, but and of course that having then of course being able to um, buy the house, we then of course had a mortgage, yes. and uh, <laughs> which is all very well. So we just sort of without even thinking about it embarked on the the traditional trajectory. Um, um, but paul who hates the idea of debt and in fact I hadn't um, had a debt in my history for very long I'd always not wanted to have a, a a big debt but Paul was determined he was going to get rid of that debt as um, soon as possible um, at the time he had um well, he yet he, he only had a part-time job um, which was I was earning I had a I, after my graduation I um, was you know had a job a proper job and um, And Paul um, decided he was going to use every moment he could to make extra money to pay that debt off. And some of the ways he did that was um, by doing odd jobs, you know, helping people around the neighbourhood if they want a small renovation or maintenance on their properties and things. And he bought some tools to do that with. But Paul has always had a philosophy um, of the free $1, which I know you would have heard him talk about at length. So if he bought himself, say, a new um, circular saw, then he would go out and find a job that would pay him enough money to cover at least the cost of that saw. So he's he's always had some pretty um, different um, attitudes towards money and, and debt and things like that. But nonetheless, he was deter- he's always been determined to live by that standard, and you know it's, it served him a really good. Um, He's t- served him very well in that whole in the t- whole time I've known him, um, and so those those two things really went towards, I suppose, uh, consolidating his determination um, to 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 go on to embark on a wealth creation process. And at the time, of course, um, it was fashionable. But wealth creation and investment seminars were quite fashionable. There was many around, yes, and. Yes. Um, so he um he started to um, to do those, of course, still, with that attitude of three plus one dollar so if he did uh, a seminar, he had to find a way to make it pay so that sort of um, I suppose that's sort of how how it went so without it being a particular day, it was the culmination of experiences, I suppose, and that determination um, to to always make every every learning experience an investment i suppose
1: no that's brilliant amanda it's a it's a it's a story that uh, i think we could all learn multiple lessons from well let let me ask you uh uh, Amanda, relationships can be challenging at the best of times, you know. And, and upon reflection, what decisions, if any, did you both discuss that would need to be undertaken in order to make um, uh, the you know that that process and that decision to achieve financial uh, and economic uh, freedom become a, a reality?
0: Um, yeah, of course, there was um, quite a, a bit of discussion uh, and decision making around that process because those courses were weren't cheap, certainly yes. for people who are on um, you know reasonably modest income, um, and of course um, I did alluded to. before to, um, before to the idea that I was also adverse to, to debt. I'd had a previous relationship um, where, with someone who was quite unreliable with money and um, I did certainly didn't want um, any repetition of that sort of experience. Um, but what I was willing to do was hold the space for Paul to to do what he needed to do. I knew he was the one who had the, the determination, the focus and the capability. It was it was challenging and but a great um, learning experience. I think one of the things that had been very good is that I had been my studies included some counselling, so I'd done a little bit of personal work and I had so some some insight into um you know the dynamics of relationship and how we can either help or hinder each other. Um, so I did understand the idea of taking the responsive, uh, t- taking responsibility for my own fears and concerns, and trying to come from a position of consideration rather than reaction. So, um, so th- there was a little bit of insight that did. Help us along the way, um, but we did certainly had agreements um, to discuss um, any spending and investing. Um, so you know, um, my concerns could be voiced, and and Paul and I could um, come to sort of like an understanding of of you know how much he was going to spend and and not staying into things that's for too long or longer than was useful. Um, so uh, we had some and again, strategies for making the courses pay for themselves. Um, and I think one of the big things was understanding that it wasn't useful for me to be nagging when he was spending a lot of time, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, on, on these other things and not doing other things that I would like him to do. So, yes, I think the thing was really to be, to be open and, and discuss Things as they went along so I wasn't left in the dark I was knew what he was doing and what sort of strategies he was involved in and things like that and how much money you know he was I mean I think that you know when he um I think ten thousand dollars was what he started with (laughs) and that's a little nerve-wracking um but you know we understood that it was that was that was all he was going to spend on that you know the initial um and of course it became more $10,000 yes. um, but that was the understanding that each, each time it was limited, and it wasn't he wasn't doing anything or getting carried away and you know, so yes, yes there were lots of discussions and, and yes. times you know, and sometimes it was fraught but you know, the discussions yes. meant we could work through things.
1: Well if, if I'm laughing I'm not laughing at you Amanda, I'm laughing with you because uh, one of the stories that Paul recants about his early days was and you just alluded to it so I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit more for the listener was, you know, he uh, obviously, Paul made his initial fortune in real estate and and, uh, trading shares. And he he talks of the story of having saved up $10,000 and to learn how to trade. And then, of course, uh, as as an experience, all of us traders have had. Uh, you know, it, it took him a little while, but he eventually went on to lose. You know, clean out his account, and uh, and uh, Paul was rather comical in the way he explained it because then having to go back to you and say, "Honey, uh, you know, the ten thousand we saved up while it's gone," <laughs> and then he had to go back to the drawing board, save up another ten thousand, and lo and behold, uh, Amanda, um, you know, that second ten thousand. Now, <laughs> the good thing about Paul is, you know, he's uh, he's always been a great. Uh, uh learn and quick study and so um third time round he started to get his act together and obviously the the stories he's gone to make untold uh, fortune in trading. Um mm. so yes I always wonder what that uh, that conversation sounded like uh you know it it, it was a laughing thing for for us uh, in a, in a, in an audience you know when you know Paul's a professional speaker mm. but I was always ah, I wonder what Amanda would say if she told the story so uh, thank you very much for that that's uh, that, that's great. Okay. Now, Amanda, I, I used to struggle with uh, the the word sacrifice, because I had this perception that to sacrifice meant giving up something. You know, people talk about the ultimate sacrifice, meaning giving up your life. And otherwise, it, it meant giving up something that made life uh, anything from bearable, you know, all the way to worth living. Now, I've spent a number of years toiling over what that word sacrifice means to me. And now I, I think I view sacrificing as as meaning to give up the life I have now for something better. So that uh, that meant getting clear about what I wanted. And I had to know what B, B being that objective, looked like. And mm. uh, more importantly, I had to get honest about what uh, where I was, which is point A. So it's not about judging your current lifestyle, uh, something that you and Paul have said, but uh, knowing you're capable of, of achieving more, living at, at a higher level. So for me, it, it means letting go of what no longer serves me and my family, because there is a, a human condition that would uh, no sooner have you hang on to something, uh, let's call it you know, that feeling of scarcity. Uh, mm. And sometimes it could be some people are just plain old comfortable, and so they're not prepared to risk what they have um, for the reasons we just mentioned. So how did you and Paul reconcile your decision to make the decision um, that you no longer wanted to remain economically shackled and doing what you both ended up doing in order to achieve financial independence?
0: Um, yeah, it's, I think it's a really good um, way of looking at sacrifices as a, as a letting go. There's something um, that if you think, you know, often it's it conjures up sort of like gut-wrenching, you know, separations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think if it's just a natural letting go, it's a much healthier way to look at it. And really when when you're uh, objective about, you know, your passage through life, we actually let stuff go all the time. You know, when it, it it's, it's even... Uh, there it sounds heartless, but even people, you know, as as um, as we mo- move along and progress, um, you know, things change and our focus changes and our interests change, and, and and you know the old models get left behind and we don't don't give it any second thought. Yes. Um, so it's not something that we that's not. It's, it's not an unknown experience. We just don't focus on it very much and think about it. Um, but I think one of the things that makes that letting go process easier when you're beginning on this sort of journey is to be really clear about your values and the lifestyle that will support those values. I think um, often um, the idea is you focus on the stuff at the other side of it. Yes. Um um, and we we're sort of taught to think about the stuff rather than the experience of of, of wealth or the experience of life that we want. Um, so I think it's important if you focus on what you're building towards. In fact, the letting go can be a relief rather than a wrench. Yes. Um, if we want to think about, you know, what we want to be, um, to have and to be. So rather than um, thinking, of, I think if we focus on what we want to have and we want to be, and rather than being tied up in the social and economic constructs, you know, so often I think you say the word wealth and we, we think in terms of, you know, um, luxury yachts, Yes. And <laughs> and 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 resort h- bathrooms with gold taps and <laughs> and things like that, you know. So so in fact, we're <clears throat> it's nothing. It's nothing actually to do with who we are or who who we even might want to be. And and I don't think many people are. We're not educated to be in touch with our values. The values yes. we take on are often the ones that that society suggests we might. Or should have, or in fact, the economic um, system thinks that yes. we we should have. Um- you know, it, it, the economic system wants us to just to make and spend as much money as we possibly can, um, to have as much stuff as we possibly can, and unfortunately to be just a bit more in debt than we, ha- we can actually comfortably handle. Yes. And so um, I think, unfortunately, many of us, we get caught up in that. In fact, we're often so busy we don't even have time to think, let's face it. Yes. We're so caught up in that hamster wheel that we think that's, we can't even see outside of it.
1: No, that 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 makes uh, perfect sense. I can relate having been married once upon a time, and uh, and if I had to um, sort of dig Thank down, I, I think the the values uh, uh, thing that you mentioned there was was one of the uh, 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 challenges because uh, we don't think of values. We're not taught to think in terms of values. Um, most of us, when we hear the word values, uh, look at each other, and you know, um, and I, I think it was uh, Nikki Lancaster, one of uh, Paul's mentees. Uh, she very happy. Uh, <laughs> espouses how when Paul talked to her about values she realized oh my god I, you know she had to literally go away and think about what was important to her so uh, so that's definitely something worth with you know thinking about. Now uh, Amanda, you know what are some of the main challenges based on your experience and, and, and observations because you know I, I know for a number of years there you and Paul uh, did a, um, a weekly uh, webinar where people came to you with all manner of questions, queries and concerns. You know, so what are some of the main challenges based on your experience there that uh, could arise when a couple decide to make the necessary sacrifices? You know, everyone gets excited in the early days, given that to nurture and maintain a relationship requires energy. And now you're divesting energy towards, albeit a worthwhile endeavor, um, mm. you know, similar to what you and Paul did.
0: Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, the, 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 the first challenge was to work out Our core values, you know, to really drill down to discover what it really is um, important—not just the social and family expectations. I mean, um, as because I worked as a counsellor, many times um, my clients would uh, be in a in a dilemma, you know, a state of or distraught, in fact, sometimes over where they what they actually wanted in life and the and the path that they had taken because um, their family. Um, or friends or, 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 or the social um, setting in which they found themselves had expectations different to what they're in their heart of hearts they wanted to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's so important to, to really work out, you know, what it is that's important to you, what you want to pursue in life. Um, and so I think that that was... That was number one. And then, of course, between the couple, it's important to negotiate how to give space and support each other's values, given that, you might have many things in common, but your values and the order in which you place those values might be quite different. So, yes. um, you know, like, for instance, I know that top of Paul's list is freedom. Um, probably quite close to the top of mine is security. I've, I've got freedom there, but I've also got that need to, <laughs> to know I've got a safe nest. Yes. You Yes. Know? Um, so um, so there's certainly some negotiating um to do around that um otherwise you know you can find yourself at loggerheads and it's not necessary it's just a matter of actually working out how you can make space for each other in that in that negotiation um and of course the other thing too is to set really realistic goals. I think one of having done lots of personal growth courses of one sort or another, one of the things used to drive me absolutely nuts was when they talked in terms of goals, they were always like on a global scale, you're gonna, you know, save mankind or the <laughs> universe or <laughs> something like this. And I, I used to think, well, you know, that's all very well, but surely um, one can make a huge contribution to the wealth or the the wellness of the planet by having a beautiful rose garden that people stop and sniff the roses and and have a really nice feeling for the rest of the day. Surely that's a great contribution. It doesn't have to be, you know, as I say, saving, you know, curing leprosy or whatever. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, um, you know, that might, you know, other grand things might be on the horizon. Um, And you can't... um, You can't do any of this stuff without learning and growing and letting go of the old ways of being and habitual reactions. Um, You know, it's much easier. It's it's easier to understand all these things when you can actually, when you can understand or it's easier to let go of this stuff when you can actually understand where they're coming from, understanding that, you know, your family of origins and the culture in which you've grown up have... um, uh, uh lots of the reasons why we hold lots of these attitudes and ideas and beliefs and that they're not actually the, only, the one and only truth, yes. that they're only a set of beliefs or attitudes and they could be changed. Yes. And with knowledge and understanding, it's quite easy to, again, let them go and, and move on in a different way. And it takes practice. You know, you catch yourself, you know, being judgmental, you catch yourself, um, you know, wanting something or aspiring to something and realizing, no, it actually isn't anything that's going to serve me at all. Yes. But it's, it takes, you know, it, it just, it's a it's a life of learning and practicing, basically, and supporting each other in that, you know, asking the question, is, is this something that's really going to serve us? Or yes. is it just a whim? You know. Yeah. And of course, one of the um, another one thing that I think is really important is learning to take responsibility um, for the, your own fears and concerns. Um, and your attitudes and your values. So you take responsibility for yours and realise that they're yours to change or yours to hold on to, depending on on whether they're going to be effective or ineffective in in getting you um, where you want to go. So probably, yeah, the the communication between couples is really important, learning how to communicate clearly and honestly. So I think all of those things um, are what I would see as, as the real challenges. Yeah.
1: Now that that's brilliant, Amanda. Thank you very much for that. And you know, if we continue a bit further, both you and Paul studied success uh, mm. and continue to do so, I'm sure. And by studying success, I'm referring to the many bodies of work that uh, Paul introduced um, to the marketplace through his uh, program, the Money Mastery Program, which you're obviously very familiar with. Mm. And um, I recall both you and Paul having touched on this uh, numerous times. That you know, when it comes to relationship the, uh, relationships, there are only really three outcomes, if, if I recall correctly. You know, both partners make the necessary commitment and sacrifices. So, so that's one. Mm. You know, or one of the partners decides to go it alone, which means the relationship ultimately comes to a natural conclusion. Mm. And then there's a third uh, one where one partner is desperate for change, but they ultimately capitulate and give mm. up on their dreams. To to avoid conflict, and as a result, I think, you know, conformity, um, uh, you, you sort of die a nice, slow uh, death internally yes. um, because you're moving away from the things that you truly want. And that, to me, seems like the least attractive uh, option and the most soul-destroying option. Yet mm. I find, mm. uh, you know, and, and look, I, I, I can partly um, relate to that, and so can mm. many, but uh, it's more common than, than I think most of us would care to admit. and. Oh, um, look- Sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> and so, you know, are there any words of wisdom uh, for that person that, that you might, uh, you know, who's afraid of the ramifications? Because a lot of times it's fear, isn't it, that their dreams may come at a cost, and if not the cost of a oh. relationship, then certainly the, the the death and demise of their own dreams.
0: Yes, I think I think that's absolutely right. I think sadly, many people live um, a life of regret. I suppose mm. is what. The word I mean what a horrible way to live your life and it's not just with a partner it's also um, with society and their um, their families and and with themselves that they actually live this life of sort of sad not even it's a compromise but it's, it's not it's it's a it, that probably is the the worst um, that the worst um, version of sacrifice isn't it when you yes. actually got to put yourself entirely aside because of uh, other well, yeah, perceived other forces, I suppose is something I would I'd like to say it, yeah. Um, and and generally, you know, as you as you alluded to, this, this generally is because, this stuckness and disharmony is actually as a result of fear, you know, the fear of the consequences, the fear of not always having it the same or the way you expected to have it. So you're sort of caught in, a, you know, between what your dream, what you'd like to have and, um, and what you feel you might lose, you know, again, yes. it's a sense of loss rather than rather than focusing on what you could have. It's what I might lose that, that drives yes. yes. me. Um, and I think that it keeps us in a state of being. And um, this is one of Paul's words I'm going to use now. So you can either be, you stay, stay in a state of reaction where you, you all you do is react to what's going on around you and the pressures around you rather than being responsible, you know, so yes. able to respond in an able way, and then, you know, which I think is, it's a, it's a big leap for, for many of us. I don't think we're, again, I don't think we're taught or encouraged in our culture to actually be responsible.
1: Yes.
0: My, we, and in fact, you know, even our, I hate to get, get into sort of one of my hobby courses, the media and things like this, but it's so reactive. Yes. Know, our politicians are so reactive that we don't actually have a, a good model for being responsible.
1: Yeah, no, very, very much so. Very much so. Well, look, I, I appreciate uh, your your insight, Amanda. It's it's always wonderful to talk about relationship as everything's nice and rosy, and there's you know I think there's a lot of taboos we pref- or the elephants in the room we pretend or prefer not to see. Yep. So you know, so we'll, we'll raise up the, the 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 vibrancy a little bit more. But uh, but once again, th- thanks for that. Now, um, uh, let, let me see how I can best ask the. Um, Um, This question, it's better to raise to life's challenges by growing and developing the necessary thinking that can sustain the responsibility required to deal with growing and not to mention the necessary skills to match the uh, level of financial freedom that we want to achieve from who you were, quote unquote, poor as church mice to who you've become, quote unquote, financially independent. What have been some of the the bodies of work that you feel have helped strengthen your personal bonds and helped you grow into the person that you've become?
0: Um, I, that's a that's a really good question, and um, I think that it's it's interesting too where your actual learning um, comes from, um, and it's it what and sometimes you don't even realise <laughs> that you're in a learning situation. But I actually when I um, Started working after um, studying. I um, I went to work at work as a counsellor, and part and part of my study and part of that job required doing some therapy and um, looking at your own process. Um, and of course, like most people, I come from you know a pretty dysfunctional family. And um, as part of that, person it was actually started out as professional development, but became very useful in personal development. Is I did. Um, a, a, a course, a codependence pro, um, program at the Hollyoak Institute, uh, which I think Hollyoak has um, has offices or um, institutes in most states or most capital cities. Mm-hmm. And they really do focus on relationship functioning. Um, in relationship mostly, well, uh, essential, essentially to substance um, misuse and abuse, but it, of course it applies across the board. And that actually gave me a lot of insight some of those insights that I started out with you know as I said um, early on I actually gained from that and it was hugely useful so I can always I can highly recommend people actually embarking on you don't have to have huge problem that you want to go and solve or a particularly difficult family but it's so useful to go and put yourself in a position where you have you have to take yourself out put yourself in your palm of your hand and examine some of the ways you operate Yes, Um, and um, because at least it's like you were talking about going from a to b it's like you're examining a you know, yes. to to work out exactly who am I at this moment. You know, how do I operate? How do I react? How do I and have I dealt with situations I come across? Because that's hugely useful in in knowing and understanding some of the things you might like to do differently. It's not about saying, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> I'm nuts and I need, you know. <laughs> psychiatric help <laughs> or therapy for the rest of my life it's just that you know like if you wanted to know if you were you know wanted to know how your car worked you wouldn't be hesitating going along and doing you know um, adult ed class in you know thermal combustion engines yes so why not go if you're going to embark on this sort of journey in uh, understanding a bit of how you operate as a as a human being in this in this world that we find ourselves in no that's, so, uh... <laughs> so I certainly suggest something like that for everybody, you know, and uh, and it can be if you have got an inquiring mind, it's a really fascinating process. Um, so apart from that, I think one of the most useful and s- seminal experiences of our development was going along to um, some courses done by a chap called Michael Demeco Rowland, who um, was a uh, personal development guru um, during the, mostly I suppose, the 80s, early 90s. I don't know if he's still around, but he's written one book I know of called Absolute Happiness. Um, He's one of, well, I think we learnt more than anything there about taking personal responsibility for what's going on inside of your mind and your feelings. Um, He introduced us to the idea of also of investing um, yeah he was he was just a fantastic teacher, and unlike many of those sorts of people, pretty much without ego you know he wasn 't a big ego um, sort of like preaching he was really. A teacher and he did a great job and um he did uh, there, were a, there were a series of courses all of which were great yes. um so we did he, we actually started off because we saw an ad on the tv would you believe <laughs> we, <laughs> and went along and that was that was sort of the beginning i suppose of like the really serious personal development side of our wealth because you know like part of being well of, of true wealth i think is actually being able to have um you know a happy happy attitude and understanding yourself and being able to have a uh, being able to work on your relationship because you've got some insight so that's that you know, that adds to your wealth it's not just about the money and the things and that but the lifestyle as actually does include growing and developing yourself as much as anything else um of course we did um also tony robbins um there is a big ego for you and uh, (laughs) we did learn some very very useful stuff um we also i think learned some stuff or some ways of not to do things yes Uh, and certainly i think um goal setting and stuff was one of the things that he's always worked on a very grand scale and and I must admit I, that's probably where I really developed my scepticism about grand goals versus real goals and, yes. you know, valuing some achievements in ordinary life because I think they're really, really important. It's not always about, say, making your mark on the universe. Um, so uh, another... A uh, person we read and Paul's done a lot of work with, I think really useful in relationships, really useful in dealing with, you know, some of the challenges we were talking about, first of all, where, you know, one partner wants to move and the other doesn't. Yes. Um, understanding what might be going on there can really help in even overcoming that sort of stuckness. Was the plot by um, Loy Young, which I'm sure yes. you know about. I think the plot is a brilliant plot. Um, Brilliant for understanding, you know, personal insight into how you conduct your relationships. And you find too, of course, um, that the relationships you have have with your nearest and dearest uh, are reflective of the sort of relationships you develop in your professional life and your social life. So, you know, don't think that because you only do this at home, it's all you do. No, you do it everywhere. (laughs) 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 You know, it's so easy to... um, To blame and be resentful and blaming of um, the people around you in your personal life um, rather than take, again, it's back to responsibility. Um, You know, rather than taking responsibility for the part you play in those relationships. And um, because that's where you can start, you can't change other people, you can only work on yourself. And it's amazing when you work on yourself how much. that changes i mean you know the plot says that if you if you stop playing your part yes. then the other person can't play opposite you, you know?
1: yes no very <laughs> so, very much so
0: that's right so you know all of this stuff it, it reflects through your whole life um another person that i found really really useful and paul did too although i spent much more time with him well learning with him i didn't spend time in his company was ken wilber who um his model of integral psychology again talks about um, how much um, we um, are, are well, how much or the process of development in societies and how that's reflected in our personal growth. It was very, very interesting. Saying it's really, a, it really helped me understand that. Um, when you're looking at a society, a culture or whatever, you can actually look at that in terms of the development stage of an individual human being and that helps you understand how to interpret what's going on and how to predict what will happen and how not to be so reactive. So all of that sort of stuff I found really, really useful. It's quite challenging to read but um, Mm, mm. really, really interesting stuff. Of course, a a very similar model, in fact, Ken Wilber actually did draw on this model in developing his own was um, the work of Claire Graves, um, that's really more popularly interpreted by Don Beck and Christopher Cowan in The Spiral. Yes. Um, a way of understanding again your own personal stage, the values associated with the stage that you're at, um, and understanding that also applies to the society in which you find yourself and how the, um, the values that it purports as valuable um, come from its stage of development and that's where we learn all that stuff from so again it can be great to um, in letting go yeah. and, um, and knowing how um how what we can adopt and what we can work towards it's going to be actually much more useful to us um not that not that what you have done is wrong it's just that like other things we talked about um it can be worth letting them go as you progress to um a greater understanding i suppose yes so i found that very useful of course um Voice dialogue with helen sidra stone um, that 's a great model where uh, they su- suggest that we actually are not just one personality but inhabited by a whole um, host of personalities that we use um, at different times and some of whom have become subordinate to others, um, most of whom are actually trying to look after us but often hold us back and hinder us a lot of uh, it 's a lot they explain a lot of where our fears. And concerns, um, insecurities come from. Yes. Um, and again, um, to be able to interact with those personalities, and give let them go by assuring them that you will not come to harm. <laughs> yes. Uh, can also be a great process of um, releasing yourself and moving on. Um, yes, yeah, They're just, you know, these people. Some of these people are so insightful and um, and so I uh, think. Again, considerate and caring and kind. I think that's, yeah. you know, I think we don't live in a very kind society or a kind culture and I think, again, um, you know, being, being able to um, move out of judgment and blame and resentment and into some sort of understanding and kindness, um, while it's, um, it sounds just very sweet to be able to do that, it actually, it's amazing how when you release yourself from all of that negativity and those, you know, how I'm sure even you, Justin, have been (laughs) in a situation where you find yourself like you have some like revolving thought of resentment or regret or, you know, blame. Yes. And it it just festers and it goes on and on and on. And how debilitating and how um, de-energising it is to be in that state. Um, If you can actually let that go... Um, because you have greater understanding and appreciating of where other person's coming from, that just that leaves you free to grow and develop and be positive. You know? Um So so yeah, I think that that's all of that stuff is so useful. And underpinning the whole lot of what we did was um, Joseph Campbell's um, oh, The Hero's brilliant. Journey. Yes which is such a fantastic um, model for understanding where we're all at at in life's journey. And um, I think that uh, that is probably, you know, as much as the stories that he comes up with are great to read, uh, understanding how they actually describe um, the journey from life through and through growth to death um, is just fabulous, and um, and really, you know, it, 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 to be able to cast yourself as your own your hero in your own story, and understand life challenges in terms of that, um, it's a bit like you know um, the story of Rumpelstiltskin. If you can bring it out and give it a name, it actually um, dispels its 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 poison. You yes. know. Uh, I think it's it's a uh, yeah it's a great um, a great model, and you know again another really clever person who's really thought about the human condition in a in a very understanding and kind way.
1: No, thank you, Amanda. If I, if I had to summarise what those teachers um, are are issuing, um, it would be compassion, wouldn't it? Be compassion for yourself, compassion for others.
0: Very
1: well said. Yes, yes very yeah. well said. So, uh, so no, thank you very much for for that, Amanda. And uh, look, we're nearing the end. Two two more questions. Uh, you know, uh, hindsight is, is is a wonderful thing, isn't it? But it's it's not always a luxury. I think that is afforded you when you're on the hero's journey. Speaking of Joseph mm. Joseph Campbell, <laughs> yes. is there anything that you would have done differently? Uh, you know, not from a point of regret or, but just you know, looking back, I think you can always see things differently. Um, mm. Is there anything that you you'd, you'd do differently?
0: Well, of course, you know, you have to say, like, I would like to have started earlier. Um, but, <laughs> but um, you know, it happens when you're ready for it to happen. If you talk certainly talking about Hero's Journey, I mean, I, I st- really, when I look back, I started, I, like you, was married in the past. Um, and in 1988, I made the decision to move away from that relationship. Didn't do it very elegantly, not having known too much uh, <laughs> back then, um, And I had a long way to go, but it really was um, the beginning of my um, liberation from my past and not just the marriage, but also lots of my baggage from childhood and all the rest of it. So that was, it was great. And and I probably, I couldn't have started earlier, but one would like to to have started earlier. Um, I probably would have liked not to have taken some of the financial risks we took, which didn't turn out so profitably. Yes. Um, But, you know, I suppose most people who've ever sort of done this journey have had steps forward and backwards. Um, And and perhaps also I would have liked to have taken a bigger role myself in the wealth creation. But um, having had a recent now, based on your questions, discussion with Paul, really also then now being able to say to myself, well... In fact, my supportive role is incredibly valuable and has been really valuable. Absolutely. At, at all different stages along the way. So, it's a, you know, it's um, I'm much more conservative than Paul. Um, so, of course, I wouldn't have done lots of the things on my own that he did. Yes. Um, but, um, you know, security, as I said, is much higher on my values list. But I think, yes, I think when you've got two people to work together, um, it really can... Um, it can really help the process.
1: No, yes. th- thank you, Amanda. That's um, I appreciate your insight from a personal perspective. Well, uh, you know, we we're sort of coming to the end, and it would be remiss of me to think that only couples have challenges because, you know, there are plenty of uh, people out there uh, single for for any number of reasons, and <laughs> the challenges for them aren't any less real. You know, so what mm-hmm. what would you suggest uh, for for someone who is out on their own? Because I, I've met um, uh, men and women who, mm-hmm. uh, in you know, in forties uh, and fifties uh, after. Mm-hmm. Raising kids and uh, long marriage, and for whatever reason, uh, it could be a death uh, or just parting ways at, at a late stage mm. in life, and they've been found themselves left in limbo. But that uh, that being in the abyss was sort of the, sort of the catalyst, if you will, mm. Um, mm. for for change. Uh, something similar to what you, you you've uh, you've spoken of, um, and then I've met uh, you know people in the I wouldn't say use the term younger people, but let's say people in their twenties and thirties who felt that, look, uh, thank goodness I was on my own because it gave me the energy and the time space to just mm. focus on and then you know they found love later um mm. so for those people that are sitting there thinking oh my god it's it's uh you know and it's tough for 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 any number of reasons but but the, the main reason is when you're on your hero's journey it can seem like a fairly lonely mm. time primarily because um even if you are driven it, it, there's not many people out there uh, pursuing um or having the courage to pursue their their dreams so any words of advice for people finding themselves you know should i just Call it quits, or should I give it a good red hot go?
0: Well, I think that um, yeah. Look, I, I think there's pluses and minuses to being on your own or being um, in a in a relationship or a family, whatever you wherever you find yourself. I think um, you, you know you, you're quite right that um, that in all that you've said, you know, about which which is you know one versus the other. Mm. Um, but I think at the bottom of it all is it's really important. Um, to To actually do the personal work, you know, it's it's it's, you know, as Paul, you know, Paul started out with in his um, um, role as a as a presenter in focusing on the mechanics of um, how to invest and build property portfolios and all that sort of thing, but he very quickly came to realise that it wasn't the not knowing how that held people back; it was actually their psychology. Yes, and so um, you know it's great you can you know have a partner and you might two heads are better than one, but then two hearts can be working in opposite directions. Yes, Um, and so I think that on your own you're still you're still working against all of your preconceptions, all of your prior learning, all of society's expectations. So I think that, you know, all the stuff we've been talking about in the last little while about the awareness, the personal growth, the understanding, understanding the society that you're operating within um, from that sort of point of view... Um, not from the newspaper, but from yes. <laughs> how it functions, um, you know, is um, is really, really important. And it doesn't really matter whether you're in a relationship or not. We're all on our own hero's journey and we either respond to the call or we don't, you know. Yes. And um, it's only when the why, that's the why you actually want to embark on this journey. It's only when the why is big enough that the hero can complete the journey. So it's back to what, what we were talking about in the beginning, really, which is a very nice way to end up, isn't it? That really understanding your values, that will really help you understand the type of thing you want to pursue in order to build a lifestyle of your hopes and dreams, being really clear about what that lifestyle looks like. Yes. You know, really taking the time. I mean, I think one of the things that uh, Michael Rowland suggests is the life right, where you actually write down in detail what sort of life you're actually looking for, yes. but it must be underpinned by knowing your values because you don't want to just write what you've seen on some TV program Absolutely. or what some series of ads that have told you if you just buy this pill, wear this outfit or fit or drive this car, you will be, you know, an enlightened human being. Well, yes. we know that's not true, yes. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's, but we're so seduced by thinking um, that. It's all this out external stuff when, in fact, it's the internal stuff yes. that really creates the wealth and really creates the lifestyle that meets all of your needs, whatever they might be. You know, for some people, having a luxury yacht might be exactly what you need. For me, that's the last thing in the world I would like. It would be yes. like being in jail, having to be on a yacht. <laughs> um but you know, um, you know, you don't have to have a you know what I call a Tuscan dream home to make yes. your life complete. You know, you just take an awful awful lot of land and an awful lot of resources. Um, so yes, I think being really clear about what it is that you will really meet your heart's desire, and then having a really really strong reason for getting there, yes. and and then embarking on your journey, and really the other things. If you do that with courage and with openness and willingness to learn and change, then it will all come to you.
1: Amanda, I ordinarily with every podcast interview that I do, I do an introduction and I do a a, a paragraph to see the interview out. But I'm going to dispense with my outro. (laughs) <laughs> and suggest, because I'm not going to dilute. Uh, look, it's, it's easy for me to write down a series of questions. But uh, I think you've given this interview uh, a body. I think you've given it integrity. Um, I think you've given wonderful insight. I've taken away from this that uh, values Are are super important. I don't think we spend enough time. I think personal responsibility, and that's something that I probably the last uh, eighteen months. um, uh, It means something very different to me now than it uh, it meant in the past. Um, And I think compassion. I think you mentioned we. It's it's a tough. It's a tough gig out there, and uh, too many of us are, are hard on ourselves. And I think the only person that can give you the kind of compassion that you need is yourself. So that's what I've taken away from that. Amanda, I want to thank you ever so much for taking the better part of an hour out of your life of freedom to <laughs> uh, to to share your experience. I think it's going to be uh, immensely helpful for anyone who's listening uh, to this podcast. Um, if I could ask you a favor, if in, uh, you know, look, I know you are a very wise individual. There's, um, <laughs> you know, I couldn't possibly, it, it would take me uh, weeks and weeks and months and months, if not years, um, to cover uh, what you know so if in future episodes um, I'd like to be able to bring you back on and talk about uh, some of these issues because I think when it comes to relationships in, in particular um, it, it's it's a challenge um, doesn't matter how old you're young you are. Um, So I'd certainly like to take this opportunity to ask you now uh, so that everyone can hear me. So, um, (laughs) um, yeah, so look, if if in future, I'd like to invite you back to a a podcast episode or two on uh, this very, very uh, telling um, and very sensitive issue of relationships, because I think you've got a lot to offer. But that said, Amanda... um, Thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to the next time I pop down there. I, uh, yes. I will, In fact, I will send you a, a photo that I took of the morning I woke up uh, on your property. I took a walk all the way down to your gate. Oh, it seemed Rob to Love me it. like a kilometre down the down the down the track, <laughs> but as I came down, I uh, I bent down to the side and I took this beautiful shot of one of the purple flowers that was just blooming uh, on the on the grass edge there, oh. and I took a, a nice shot. It's probably my 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 most famous shot that um, that I'm proud of. And you've got the home, your home on the hill there in the background. So I'll send that through to you. Um, but, so that uh, was a bit of an anchor for me for for my experience there in uh, um, Tasmania and at your home. So, look, I'm going to love you and leave you to go and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you ever so much. And till next we speak, please stay safe.
0: Okay, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure, Justin. Thanks for listening to the Money and Time Machine podcast. And remember, you're either someone else's version of a money and time machine, or you can learn how to become your very own effective money and time machine and to live with purpose on purpose.